Chapter Two of William Again by Rick Crompton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: The Cure. Breakfast was not William's favorite meal. With his father shut off from the world by his paper and his mother by her letters, one would have thought that he would have enjoyed the clear field thus left for his activities. But William liked an audience, even a hostile one, consisting of his own family. True, Robert and Ethel, his elder brother and sister, were there. But Robert's great rule in life was to ignore William's existence. Robert would have preferred not to have had a small, freckled, snub-nosed brother. But as fate had given him such a brother, the next best thing was to pretend that he did not exist. On the whole, William preferred to leave Robert alone, and Ethel was awful at breakfast, quite capable of summoning the head of the family from behind his daily telegraph when William essayed a little gentle teasing. This morning, William, surveying his family in silence in the intervals of making a very hearty meal, came to the conclusion, not for the first time, that they were hardly worthy of him. Ethel, thinking she was so pretty in that stuck-up-looking dress, and grinning over that letter from that soft girl. Robert, talking about football, and nobody listening to him, and glaring at him, uh, William, whenever he tried to tell him what nonsense he was talking about it. No, it wasn't rounders he was thinking of. He knew about football, thank you. He just did. His mother, suddenly his mother put down her letter, great aunt jane's very ill she said there was a sudden silence mr brown's face appeared above the daily telegraph hmm he said great aunt jane's a very ill said mrs brown they don't seem to think there's much chance of her getting better they say uh, she looked again at the letter as if to make quite sure they say she wants to see william she's never seen him you know there was a gasp of surprise Robert voiced the general sentiment. Good Lord, he said, fancy anyone wanting to see William. When they're dying, too, said Ethel, in equal horror, one would think they'd like to die in peace anyway. It hardly seems fair, went on Robert, to show William to anyone who's not strong. William glared balefully from one to the other. Children, children, murmured Mrs. Brown. How, said Mr. Brown, are you going to get William over to Ireland? I suppose, said Mrs. Brown, that someone must take him. Good Lord, who? Yes, who, echoed the rest of the family. I can't possibly leave the office for the next few weeks, said Mr. Brown uh, hastily. I simply couldn't face the crossing alone, much less with William, said Ethel. I've got my finals coming off next year, said Robert. I don't want to waste any time. I'm working rather hard, these vacs. No one, said his father politely, would have noticed it. I can go alone, thank you, said William with icy dignity. In the end, William and Mrs. Brown crossed to Ireland together. If William drops overboard was Robert's parting shot, don't worry. The crossing was fairly eventful. William, hanging over the edge of the steamer, overbalanced, and was rescued from a watery grave by one of the crew who happened to be standing near and who caught him by his trousers as the overbalancing occurred. William was far from grateful. Pulling and tugging at me, he said, and I was all right. I was only just looking over the edge. I'd have got back all right. 
but the member of the crew made life hideous to Mrs. Brown. "'You know, lady,' he muttered, "'when I saved your little boy's life, I gave myself such a wrench. I can feel it in my innards now, as it were.' Hastily she gave him ten shillings, yet she could not stem the flow. "'I hope, lady,' he would continue at intervals, "'when that choil's grown to be a mad, you'd think sometimes that a poor old man who saved his life at the expense of his own innards, as you might say, when he's a little un.' A speech like that always won half a crown. In the end, Mrs. Brown spent her time avoiding him and fleeing whenever she saw him coming along the deck. When a meeting was inevitable, she hastily gave him the largest coin she could find before he could begin on his innards. Meanwhile, a passenger had discovered William neatly balanced through a porthole and earned his undying hatred by hauling him in and depositing him upside down on the floor. "'Seems to me,' said William to his mother, "'that all these folks have come for is to stop other folks having a good time. What do you come at boat for if you don't look out at sea? That's all I want to know.' A gale rose, and Mrs. Brown, pale and distraught, sat huddled up on deck. William hovered round sympathetically. "'I got some chocolate creams in my other coat. Like some of them?' "'William, dear, don't bother to stay here. I'd just as soon you went away and played.' "'Oh, no,' said William nobly. "'I won't leave you feeling bad.' The boat gave a lurching heave. Mrs. Brown groaned. "'Think you're going to be sick, mother?' said William with interest. "'I... I don't know. Wouldn't you like to go over to the other side for a change?' William wandered away. Soon he returned, holding in his hands two doughnuts, masses of yellowy, greasy-looking dough, bearing the impress of William's grimy fingers. "'I've got us one each,' said William cheerfully. "'You must be awfully hungry, mother.' Mrs. Brown gave one glance and turned towards the sea. In great-aunt Jane's drawing-room were assembled Uncle John and Aunt Lucy and Cousin Francis. Francis was about the same age as William, but inordinately fat and clad in white. He had fair curls and was the apple of his parents' eyes. They had heard of William, but none of them had seen him. There was a murmur of excitement as the sound of the taxi was heard. Then William and his mother entered. Mrs. Brown was still pale. William followed her, scowling defiantly at the world in general. "'If you have any brandy,' said Mrs. Brown faintly, brandy said william cheerfully i never thought of that i got you nearly everything else didn't i i wanted to tempt her to eat he explained to the company i thought of chocolates and cakes and cocoa and pork pies i kept asking her to try pork pie there was some lovely ones on the boat but i never thought of brandy have a good drink of it mother he encouraged her and then try and have a go at the chocolates Mrs. Brown shivered slightly and sipped the brandy. "'This, William,' said Aunt Lucy, "'is your cousin Francis.' Cousin Francis held out his hand. "'How do you do, William?' William took the proffered hand. "'How do you do?' he said loudly, and added sotto voce. "'Fatty!' Thus was war declared. Mrs. Brown was feeling better. "'How is great-aunt Jane?' she said sinking said uncle john in a voice of deepest gloom sinking fast sinking fast william's expression grew animated where is she he said is she out in the sea 
little boys said uncle john quite gloomy should be seen and not heard at this point the nurse entered she can see the little boy now she said if he's come let the dear children go together suggested aunt lucy excellent said uncle john in his hushed sepulchral voice excellent together william and francis went upstairs behind the nurse the bedroom was large and dim at the far end lay great aunt jane propped up in a high old-fashioned bed the nurse took them across i only wanted to see william said great aunt jane feebly the other need not have come so this is margaret's youngest is it i've seen the others robert and ethel but i hadn't seen this one i didn't want to die without seeing all my family he's not as beautiful as francis but he's less fat do you trail clouds of glory william francis trails clouds of glory clouds of fat more light said william who was beginning to be bored by the whole affair great aunt jane closed her eyes i'm going to rest a little she said you can stay here and get me anything i want while nurse goes to have her tea the nurse went great aunt jane fell asleep william and francis were left alone in the dim bedroom sitting on chairs one on each side of the big bed as the nurse had placed them the silence grew oppressive william fidgeted then opened hostilities hello fatty he whispered over great aunt jane's recumbent form if you call me that again whispered francis i'll tell my mother if you want telling tales of me i'll pull your long hair off francis searched in his mind silent for a few minutes for a suitable term of opprobrium freckles he hissed across the bed at last softy returned william this was warfare after his own heart if i got a hold of you i could throw you out of the window no oh, you couldn't you'd just roll about you couldn't throw anything you're too fat i told you what i'd do if you called me that again tell 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 silly old tell tell still the deadly insults were being hurled across the bed in whispers and still great aunt jane slept i could bash your old freckled face in whispered francis well, i could knock your old long-haired head off i could pull your ears out come on then have a try come on yourself worked up to fighting pitch they stole around their corners of the bed to the open space at the foot then they hurled themselves upon each other they fought with fierce satisfaction tearing at each other's hair punching each other's heads squirming and rolling on the floor suddenly they became aware of a spectator great aunt jane was sitting up in bed her cheeks flushed her eyes bright go up william she said get one in on his nose that's right fatty well fended go on william another another no biting fatty go oh dear there were footsteps on the stairs quick said great aunt jane they darted to their seats smoothing their hair as they went the nurse entered whatever she began then looked round the peaceful room oh it must have been in the street great aunt jane opened her eyes oh, i feel much better she said ever so much better you look better said the nurse i hope the children were good good as gold said great aunt jane with the ghost of a wink at william look at them said the nurse smiling both purple in the face with holding their breasts they'd better go now 
Again, great-aunt Jane winked at William. Downstairs, Uncle John was standing, gloomy as ever, by the fireplace. "'Oh, is she?' he said as they entered. Oh, "'I think she's rising a bit,' said William. "'What did you say he did this morning?' said great-aunt Jane to the nurse. "'Well, he got up early,' said the nurse, "'and found a mouse in the mousetrap. "'He put it into a cardboard box "'and almost covered the creature in cheese "'and made holes in the lid and put it into his pocket. "'He wanted to keep it. "'Then the thing gnawed its way out at breakfast "'and stampeded the whole table. "'It ran over Francis, and he yelled, "'and his father nearly fainted. "'William was much annoyed. "'He said he'd meant to teach it tricks.' "'It was yesterday, wasn't it?' said great-aunt Jane, "'that he dared Fatty to walk on the edge of the rain-tub, "'and he overbalanced and fell in?' "'Oh, yes, and Fatty got in a temper and bit him, "'and they fought and rolled down the bank together into the pond. "'And uh, Tuesday?' "'Tuesday he brought the scarecrow in from the field in the evening "'and put it in front of the fire where his uncle usually stands.' and it was rather dark and they hadn't lit up yet and his aunt came in and talked to it for quite a long time before she discovered she's rather short-sighted you know there was a terrific scuffle going on somewhere last night said great aunt jane eagerly oh yes his uncle john went downstairs about eleven for a book he'd forgotten and william heard him thought he was a burglar and attacked him from behind they fell downstairs on top of each other, and then William got his uncle rolled up in the hall rug with a pair of gloves in his mouth and his eyeglasses broken before he found out who he was. He's a curious boy. Great-aunt Jane was sitting up and looking quite bright. He certainly lends an interest to life. I feel ever so much better since he came. You might send him up now if he's in, nurse, will you? On her way down, the nurse met Uncle John. "'How long is this young ruffian going to be here?' he said furiously. William had successfully dispelled the air of hallowed gloom from the house. "'He sent my nerves to pieces already. What his effect on that poor sufferer must be!' "'Well, he seems to be strengthening hers,' said the nurse. "'She's just sent for him.' "'That means a few minutes' peace for the rest of the house at any rate,' he said. William entered the sick room sullenly. He was thoroughly bored with life. Even his enemy, Fatty, was not to be found. Fatty retired every afternoon with his mother to lie down. "'Good afternoon, William,' said great-aunt Jane. "'Are you enjoying your visit?' "'Well,' said William vaguely, striving to temper truth with politeness, "'I won't mind going home now. I've had enough.' He sat down on her bed and became confidential. "'We've been here for weeks and weeks.' Four days, amended great-aunt Jane. Well, four days, then, said William, and there's nothing left to do, and they make a fuss if I make a noise, and I've got a lizard in a box at home, and I'm trying to teach it tricks, and it'll have forgot me if I stay away much longer. It was just getting to know me. I could tell by its eyes, and they might forget to feed it or anything. There's nothing to do here, and Mother's not been well since the sea made her sick, and I keep saying, why wait till she's all right to go back, case the sea makes her sick again. Better go back while she's feeling bad, and get it all over again, without the fuss of getting all right and then getting bad again. And I keep saying, why are we stopping here and stopping here and stopping here? And everyone saying, shh, when you make a noise or sing or anything, I say, 
why great aunt jane's sunken lips were quivering her eyes twinkling and why are you stopping and stopping and stopping she says cause you're not out of danger and we just stop till we know what way it is well he waxed still more confidential what i say is surely you know which way you're going to be can't you tell us then if you're going to get better we'll go and if you're not yes well what then said great aunt jane then uh, we'll go too you don't want me hanging around here when you're dying he said coaxingly i'd like as not make a noise or something and disturb you and that lizard might just cut out if i go waitin here much longer like what that mouse did great aunt jane drew a deep breath of utter content you're too priceless to be true william she said can't you tell me which way said william ingratiatingly yes said great aunt jane i'm going to get better oh crumbs he said joyfully can i go and tell mother to pack you've turned the corner said the doctor to great aunt jane an hour later we needn't worry about you any more all these relations of yours can pack up and go william's packed already said the nurse that boy is a cure great aunt jane laughed yes he's a cure all right she said End of chapter two